All righty, hallelujah. We're going to receive our tithing offering. And you need tithing offering envelope. Raise your hand up high. You know, I was thinking this morning, and uh, I read Deuteronomy 8.18. It says that when you begin to prosper, don't forget that it is God that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Now, God certainly gives us vocations, jobs, skills, and talents that we are able to use in this world because our gifts and talents make room for us. And uh, I'm going to be talking on the seven uh, thresholds of the kingdom of God in a month or so, and one of them is the vocation of every believer, that uh, we don't just work to make money. We are positioned by God for divine influence. And as Joseph came, Potiphar's house, we are to change our workplace. Amen. And so, but God gave us power to get wealth. One certainly is that if you don't work, you don't eat. When we get jobs, we not only pay tithe off of our income, but we have enough to sow seed. We have enough to bless other families. We have enough to lay back in store, and we have enough to lay up for our generations and generations. So working is absolutely necessary and important in God's scheme of stewardship in the kingdom. But then there is the operation of the facts of wisdom. The Bible says that the wisdom of God delivers from the plans and schemes, even the activity of hell that is in operation on planet Earth right now. One of the operations of the kingdom of darkness is poverty. God is not into poverty, but I get an amen. And so we sometimes just resign ourselves to it, and we think that there's nothing that we can do. But there's many things that you can do, even if you are jobless or if you're on a limited income, whatever it might be. Now, jobs are important. Everybody should have one because as we work, that provides for our households and so forth. But the tithing issue is found in Proverbs, the third chapter, verse 5 on down through 10. says that we aren't to lean to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge God. In other words, there is a way of God, there is a way of man. Now, the way of man seems wise in his own eyes, and the ways of God seem foolish. But to the wise, to the righteous, to those that know their God, understand how to apply faith with the Scripture, God's Word is not foolish. It is the life source because out of that Word, we live by every word out of it. Every word produces a dimension of life in us through God. And now, when we talk about our tithing, the Bible says that we are to honor the Lord with our substance. In other words, every believer should realize that all they have belongs to God. I think it was Wesley, as he was preaching, somebody interrupted the service and said, John Wesley, your house is burned down. He said, I have no house, it's God's, and went on and preached. That's the attitude, that all that we have in our life, our substance belongs to the Lord because he has purchased us. And then the Bible says that we are to honor him with the first fruits of our substance. And as we do this, the tithe, putting God first priority in our life, the Bible says that our barns will be filled and
and our vineyards or our vats will burst forth with new wine. In other words, God will enlarge us beyond the capacity for us to contain it. So as we give today, as we tithe today, then as we give seed, the Bible says that God multiplies the seed that is sown. I was just in Buffalo where God just did so many great things. There was a blind woman in, in the uh, line and I prayed for her. I said, well, you know, I, I can't do nothing for you. I said, stand here. You know, Jesus will show up and he'll take over. So she stood there and I asked her, I said, well, what can you see? She said, I'm trying to see. I said, well, can you see? She said, no. I said, okay, don't worry. I said, Jesus will come on down here. He, he's a healer. So pretty soon I walked back and I said, can you see? She said, I can't see you, but out of this half of my eye, I can see that guy standing beside you. That was Eric. And I said, well, praise God. Hallelujah. God doesn't start anything. He doesn't finish. So I said, just stand here. So finally, she was the last person in line. I walked up to her. I said, well, can you see yet? Yeah. She said, now I can see you. She said, I can see everything. God's opened my blind eye. And God opened up that woman's blind eye as she was standing there. And uh, God just visited that church and just did a great work and a great ministry to those people, filled their hearts with joy and glorified his son, Jesus. But I want to encourage you. There was a lady there, and I, she said, last year when you were here, she said, you stopped and you looked at me and said, God is about to break forth on you with unlimited finances. She said, I thought, <coughs> That guy's blowing out his ears. And she said, but, she said, I'm here to testify tonight that three weeks later, somebody came to my house and gave me a brand new home. A brand new house. She said, and I just come to testify to tell people that, you know what, God still uses people to transform situations around. Now listen. When God gives us seed and we sow that seed, he multiplies the seed that is sown. He provides for our daily bread and he increases the fruits of our righteousness. We have a God that has given us power to get wealth by our vocation, by our tithe, and by our seeds. Let's apply them and let's allow God to bless us that we can establish the kingdom of God on earth. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you as your people. We stand before you as believers, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We stand before you, God, in confidence, unshakable, unwavering faith that, God, you are faithful to what you have said. What you have said, you will uphold and bring to pass. Now, we thank you, God, that as we release our faith towards you, you are faithful to respond to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord.
had a birth of a little baby. Jerry and Betsy Tucker had a baby boy, April the 11th. He's now on the first string of the baseball team. I'm kidding you. Uh, he was Brody Everett Tucker. Congratulations, that family. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Luke, the fourth chapter, 1 through 2. We're going to read these two verses. And I believe that God has a word for you today. And I believe that he will help us and change us. I believe in encounters with God. Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. We know the rest of the story about the three temptations of Christ. But I want to talk to you about something that I think we have missed that has been taking place. I want to talk to you about transitions. Transitions. The word transition means to change from one position to another. It means kind of like from going from adolescence, teens, into adolescence, into adulthood. It means that there is a change that takes place. It means to go across, to go over, or to go through something. It means to change over. It means to go through. It means to shift. It means to evolve. It means to develop. Now, in the Christian language, we use different words. You know, we, every sect, uh, you, if you go to a Waffle House, you know Waffle House has their own language. You know, like two eyes up and a side of pig. Well, you know, they, they have their own language. And I asked the waitress one time, I said, how do you learn to talk like this? She said, oh, you got to learn to talk like that before you get hired here. And I said, really? Yeah. She said, absolutely right. She said, Pastor Dosak, I'm coming back to church as soon as I get this leg bracelet off. I said, okay. <laughs> I haven't seen her. So, uh, but they have their own lingo. And I'm presuming that doctors have their own lingo. Dentists have their own lingo. Lost one, pulled the wrong one, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, everybody has their own lingo in the vocation that they're in. Christians have their own lingo. And sometimes when we're talking to people, we forget that they are not of our citizenship or our, of our homeland. So we talk things like, you know, we start speaking things that are not, you know, we're slobbering all over people and hacking and we're saying, oh, don't worry about it, man, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, I'm not sick. And they're thinking, what a liar. Because they don't understand your language. Don't cast your pearls before swine. But in the Christian lingo, lingo or language, this word transition would come across like this. A new anointing, a new mantle, a new season. God's transforming me. I'm going from glory to glory. I'm t stepping into my call. I'm discovering my gift. 
All of these would be things that would insinuate that we were in a time of transition. Now, transitions are this. They are divine times or God appointments. Divine times are God appointments. And just because God sets them up doesn't mean everybody complies. And so these transitions are divine. They are scheduled of God. And they are God appointments. And when he is, so that when we enter into these appointments or these divine times, he changes us in some way. It may be a little, it may be a lot, but it doesn't matter. Every change is important. Line up on line, precept upon precept. God is ever working in our life. Now, God works in our life through these divine transitions or these God appointments to position you and I for predetermined purposes. God has a purpose for each and every one of us when we're born. And one of the most important things is that we find our purpose. Sometimes people are not interested in finding their purpose. People are absorbed with life, absorbed with family, absorbed with hobbies and jobs. And what they don't do is spend time finding their position. You know, there's a saying that Phyllis uses, any banana that is separated from the group is quickly eaten. And it's the truth. And so if you don't find your purpose in the kingdom of God, you'll always be like a bramble bush. You'll always go, be going from wind to wind, you know, a meeting to meeting, always trying to be a part of something, but you never end up or, or land any place. And so you're constantly dissatisfied. You're constantly critical. And I, I understand that because I understand what is happening on the inside of you. But most people don't understand their self and they don't understand how God is dealing with other people. And so we have to make sure that when God has these determined or these divine times, these times of transitions that are set for you and I, appointments that God has made to meet with us, to transform us, to give us a word, to revolutionize us, to do something in our life, if we don't show up, if we don't let the process finish, then we're going to miss what God has for us. But God does these things for predetermined purposes, and this is greater than anything you've ever been involved before. Remember, the latter is always going to be greater than the former. So we should be hungry and expectant to respond to God because where we are isn't anything compared to where he's going to position us. Amen? And these times of divine transformation, these times of divine transition, these times of God appointments always proceed promotion. In other words, if you don't show up, for the transition class, you're not going forward with God. Amen. Amen. And so these times are important. Now, this word, when Jesus is led by the Holy Ghost, this, that word means this. It means that God divinely lays hold of Jesus. It means that he takes him and brings him to a point of destination. In other words, God, remember Jeremiah, 
says this, that I know my plans and purposes for you and that they will bring you to a good end. In other words, God knows what he's got planned for you. But you have to work with God. You can't work away from God and you can't be rebellious against him and you can't be resistant to his leadings. When he touches us, we need to respond. Amen? So that word lead means to bring into a point of destination. It means to be driven by something you may not understand. There is a place that the Father is taking Jesus after he's been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus has never been to the wilderness before. Never. But God leads him into the wilderness to a place he's never known before, a place he's never experienced. He's not aware what is out there. Remember, he has been a carpenter's son. But God is about to take him to a place that he has no understanding about. One thing about transitions and divine appointments, they're hard for you to wrap your head around. I don't always understand what God's doing, but there's a time that you just have to commit yourself into God's hands and let God do what God knows to do in your life. He told Abraham, come out to a land that I will show you. What do you mean, show me? Well, you just start walking. I'll let you know when you get there. Lord, mercy. Do you know he could have walked a hundred years? He could have walked till his legs wore out. I don't know. But Abraham never doubted. He said, okay, you're God. And sometimes when God leads us into these times of transition, into these times of divine appointments, guess what? You are going into lands where you have never been before. Jesus is going to the wilderness. He's been used to the city. But he's going out into the wilderness, and Jesus gives us an example, and there are so many believers like this. Many people never, ever place themselves in the Father's care. They want to know the end before they ever start the journey. And sometimes faith doesn't show you the end. The Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. He didn't say you have to know it. Come on, could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So you realize that Jesus is going somewhere that he's never been. Well, why doesn't God show him? I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. But understand that Jesus is going someplace to be transformed. He's going to go through a point of transition. God has already appointed this moment to meet with Jesus. The Bible says this in Luke 2, 4, that Jesus grew in grace and in wisdom and favor with God. Now, Jesus was growing. He was growing. He had wisdom. He would speak to the philosophers, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and he would astound them. But realize that God had some place that Jesus had never been after 30 years of being raised in Jewish law tradition and knowing the scriptures. Yet there comes this time that God says it's time to make a transition. It's time to meet your appointment. And Jesus is touched by God and he's led into the wilderness. 
Now, I imagine that Jesus had many questions, but he followed. And then it says in John 6, 42 and 44, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary? Are not they carpenters? How does he say he came down from heaven? Then Jesus says, No man can come unto me except the Father draw him. The word draw simply means unless God takes you, lays hold of you, takes claim upon your life, or to choose you personally, or to put you in a selected place in God, you will never come to God's fullness. So Jesus says this, it's God's characteristic to draw people to himself for an appointed time for a transition that they can be changed. Now remember, Jesus has been growing in grace and wisdom, favor. He's been growing as a carpenter's son, but all of a sudden, he goes and he declares that he is being led of the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus goes into the wilderness as a carpenter's son. Who does he return as? Let's look at Luke 4, 14. Remember, he goes as a carpenter. Jesus has never done any miracles, not recorded that he did any. He's made good tables, made good chairs, furniture. He's been a good, what do they call those people that are under people? Thank you, there you go. He was a good apprentice to his father. He learned well. But then... He has a call from his father. And the Bible says this. And Jesus returned. Somebody say returned. In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of, of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. He found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me. First time he's ever made that claim. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captain, captive, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister, sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What happened to Jesus? He's different. Now he begins to proclaim, I am the Son of God. God is my Father. The works that I do, it is the spirit of my father that doeth them. 
what happened? Jesus enters into a time of transition, a time appointed by God, a time that maybe had been strange to him. You know, we think Jesus' temptation lasted like, hey, you hungry? Turn them rocks. No. No, the Bible said he was tempted for 40 days. Not three days. Not one day. Not two days. Not a week. For 40 days, he was badgered. He was badgered with thoughts. He was badgered with accusations. He was badgered with questions. He was badgered. What are you doing here? Why aren't we eating? What are you doing here? Why are we here? It's cold. Why are we here? It's hot. What are you doing here? Why don't we go home? What are you here for? His only answer was, the Father has called me here. I have an appointment. You, you haven't heard from God. Come on, that, that, that's just your feeling. Come on, you're, you still got an overload from Jordan when they told you the dove came down and he saw it light up on your head. You're, you're still wooing yourself from what John said about you. Come back to reality. You can't be the son of God. You've got a father. His name is Joseph. Mary is your mother. Are you crazy? Forty days. Forty days. Day in and day out. Night, day, morning, noon. Jesus was in the battle of transition. He was in the battle to keep a divine appointment. He was in the battle to endure and to reach the end. Jesus gives us an insight. Look, you may not understand everything that's going on. You may come under bombardment. You're going to be under pressure. But the pressure is designed for one thing. It is designed by the devil to do what? To break the span of transition. It's designed to break the appointment of God. It is designed to break the process of God. Why? Because only you can break it. The devil cannot stop it if you resist him. The devil can't stop it if you don't give him place. But if we do not see the value of transitional times, if we don't see the value of these divine appointments that God calls us, it'll just be so much hearsay. It'll be of no value. We will cast it away when we get involved in it and when it gets hard. You know, somebody said to me one time, well, well you know, you, you don't always just have to go through, through things hard. I said, absolutely, you don't. But you got to go through them. And some of the things you go through may be hard. Amen. So transitions are appointed times of God for kingdom purposes. This comes clear back to why we serve God. Lots of Christians don't even serve God to fulfill his purpose. They serve God for what Jesus said. You follow me for the bread, not for the miracles or the miraculous things that every believer can have and hold and see demonstrated. You follow me for the basic existence 
of every man and woman. Bread. So look, there's always going to be Christians that serve God just for bread. But we have to put a value on these transitional times and on these appointments with God. Look, I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm just like you. I don't want to fast. You think I get up every morning and dance? Hallelujah, I get to pray today. Oh, well, I do. Well, I'm glad you've arrived. I have it. I still got a body of flesh. I still got things I got to contend with. I still got to beat it down. Hallelujah. Look, we're all in fights, and, and these things, the enemy uses our resources of our lust of our flesh, the needs of our life, the joys that we get out of our hobbies, our families. He uses all of them to break these transition times and to abort the appointments of God. Now, these are for kingdom pur purposes, but kingdom purposes demand personal change from vessels positioned by God. It demands change. You can't just go the way you're going and be who you are and expect that God's going to position you someplace other than where you are right now. There's nobody that wants God to get to where you're going faster than God. He needs you to be at full throttle. He doesn't need you to be 10%, 15%. He needs you to be on. Could it get an amen? All right, so these transitions are sparked by God, our Father. Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost. Led by the Holy Ghost. Now, Satan comes just like he did to Jesus. And he comes to stop these transitional or this transitional process. Jesus was there for 40 days. And in these 40 days, we have the summary of the temptation that he bombarded Jesus with. We don't have every thought. We have a summary of them. And God pulled them out. He was, we know he was tempted like in every way, like a man, but he never sinned. But he was tempted just like man in every which way that you and I could be tempted. But the 40 days gives a summary of what Jesus was tempted with. Not every article or every insight into it. You only have three. Those three didn't last every uh, takeover uh, just a moment of time because he took him up and in a moment of time showed him the kingdom. No, that lasted for 40 days. 40 days. Now the first challenge was to the identity and self-provision. Identity and self-provision. The second was to worship and to serve God born out of a wholeheartedness to God. That's what worship is. Remember the devil said, if you'll worship me, and Jesus said, no, you have to worship and serve God. That's what I do. And the third thing was, the third temptation was to have faith in God. In other words, don't add to, don't twist, put God's value and his kingdom first. Don't worry about the kingdoms of the world, 
you worry about keeping faith in God and his kingdom. Now, these temptations are intense, and they are faith destroyers. Faith destroyers. They are designed by the devil, by the work of the principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. They are designed by him. They are the wiles of the devil. They are designed by the devil not to help you, to destroy you. To destroy you. Amen? And so when God calls you to a place, we understand that the devil is waiting. Well, well, why does he have to wait? He's the devil. But, But do I have to? Yes. Faith is never faith until the fire cooks out doubt. Come on, love is not love until you are faced, forced to live it. Amen. Amen? Anybody can say, oh, I love her, marry her. A year later, now we have to define if you are in love. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. That first part, oh, honey, I'm in love, I do, will you marry me? That's the easy part. The work begins when you say, I do. Yeah, because three weeks later, all feelings are gone. You're walking by faith. (laughs) You're walking by commitment. Hallelujah. Yeah, what happened to all that love I had? It went with the pressures you have. Pressure will drive love right down to lowest degree. You know that? You don't have that problem. You liar. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Hallelujah. I don't think you're telling the truth. Your wife was here. She'd be telling the truth. All right. Now, now, these are designed by the devil to destroy you. They are the wiles of the devil. And he wants to break you in the middle of this transitional period. Well, now, we have lots of symbolisms in, in the Bible. You remember that uh, when the world in Genesis, the sixth chapter, said that all of the thoughts of mankind were evil. There was nobody that had any good in them. The Bible says that God told Noah, I'm going to cause it to rain for 40 days. I'm going to kill everything that lives. What did God do? God transitioned from an evil place to a purified place. Jacob was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. He transitioned from being single to being productive. Transitional period. When Jacob died, he was mourned for 40 days. 40 days he was mourned. Joseph becomes the head of the nation of Israel. Transition. So when Moses was called up in Exodus, up into the mountain for 40 days, guess what? There was transition. Israel was transitioned into a people that was governed by 10 commandments. They had never had a law to govern them. They had always been slaves. But in that 40-day period, Moses goes up into the mountain with God, and he's there for 40 days, fella. And God writes down on two tablets the Ten Commandments of God, and they govern man not only relationally, not only community-wise, but worship-wise and commitment to God. Ten Commandments. 40 days it changed their life. 
Not only that, he receives the instructions to build the tabernacle, incorporating worship and sacrifice and service unto God. And out of that, Moses comes down and he is changed. He cannot be looked upon. Moses has been through transition. He has had an appointment with God. So God does these things, but Jesus doesn't short-circuit them. He lets the process work. Now, let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter, and verse 14. Somebody say transition. transition. Times of change. If we don't change, promotion never comes. If we don't change, proving grounds are never established. If we don't change, God moves on and uses somebody else. Oh, no, I can't believe God would do that. Well, let me... No, I better... Okay. Mark the fourth chapter, verse 14. The sower soweth the word. And these are they that are sown by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard Satan, who? Cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Next verse, there. And these are they, likewise, that were sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time, and afterward, when affliction, persecution, arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. That word offended means they forsake their faith. Next word. And then, as they and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, bring forth, some 30, some 60, some and hundredfold. Now, I want you to notice something. What does the Word of God do? It transforms or takes people through transitions or it changes them. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Now, when these time periods come, which every believer should, have a daily reading and a daily encounter, a daily purpose in the Scriptures. Everybody should have that. Now, the reason is so that we can be transformed, so that we can be sanctified, so that we can know the principles of God, we can know the ways of God, so that we can act and react to situations the way that God would have us act. But this word right here is also something that brings transition into our life. Now, when the word is sown, what, does, what happens? Somebody said the devil shows up. Absolutely. Why? He wants the transition process broken. Now, if you stop the transitional period, listen to me very carefully, if you stop the transitional purpose, if you stop the transitional process, if you short-circuit the appointment of God, you will end up 
20, 30, 40, or 50 percent. And whatever transition that God takes you into and you stop and abort because you don't want to, the pressure gets on you, or whatever it is. Now, I'm talking to you. Listen, this is important. you got to fight. This is called the fight of faith. Amen. We, we have not been called to pick lilies. We've been called to be the soldiers of the cross. The Bible says that a soldier endures hardness. Hardness. Now, if we short-circuit these transitional times, these appointments of God, these times that God is changing us, these times that God is transforming us to position us or to move us forward or to put us in a place that he has determined that we need to be. If we do, what we do is stop the development or the evolution of the Christ nature in our life. And if you stop it and you're a 20% Christian, you'll be a 20% Christian the rest of your life. Unless it's by the grace of God that you have another encounter or you get desperate enough and you start crying out, God, don't take your spirit from me. The Bible says this. Listen to me. My spirit shall not always strive with man. What stops God's spirit from striving? Disobedience. The Bible says in Acts 5.32 that God gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. Amen. You know what? You start resisting God. and You get stiff-necked. You get a hardened heart. You get a rebellious spirit. And you do not comply with what God's asked you to do. His spirit will stop working with you. Oh, Pastor, I, I just can't believe. Well, I don't care what you believe. Why do you think Christians, after 40 years, are still at 15%? Why do you think that some Christians used to be happy in the Lord, attend church all the time, couldn't wait till the doors get open, were involved in anything, and now they're about as lazy as a one-legged snail? They don't do anything. They come and observe. They don't even like what they observe. What happened to you? Where is the Spirit of the Lord? Where is the touch? Where is the inspiration? Where is the fire? Where is the kindling? You started getting disobedient. You started withdrawing back. You stopped doing. You got tired. Well, I don't like doing that anymore. Well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. I never had a problem with Christians in my life till I got saved. I told God, he called me in the ministry. I said, I ain't being no preacher. I said, I'll tell you what, God, I just have to be truthful with you. They are the meanest, critical. They are the stiff-neckest, most hateful people I ever met in my life. And I've met some scoundrels. And I'm telling you, if it was left up to me, I'd go into every service with a ball bat because that's what they need. And some way, God just kept touching my heart, and pretty soon I end up liking the unlikable. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Most people in this congregation have no problem with sinners and devils. The biggest problem of their life is those that call themselves brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they're stuck in 20%. Now, the Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says, bud, in Ephesians, the fourth, the fourth chapter, verse 29, on down through 30, it says you can grieve the Holy Ghost. Just how much grieving do you think he takes before he says, you want to talk like that? You want to push me away? I'll stay back. You can't operate without faith. You can't operate without obedience. You can't live without loving the brother. Now, so, so, you, so see, we think that God's just going to do everything. God, listen, God will. But if you think God is unconditional, you need to ask the sinners that are in hell today. Amen. There is a condition. You must be saved, and you must call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Now listen, God will work with you, and God will love you, and God will transition you and, and change you. As you prove faithful, God will make you ruler over much. But when you prove yourself unfaithful, you are not going to be made ruler. Help me. If they, is that the Bible? Yep. That, that, look, you cannot be everything that God tells you not to be and expect that God's going to promote you. See, this has to do with your soul. Yep. See, God expects less from a 20% Christian because he's not going to invest anymore. Jesus said this, I'm going to give you things and I'm going to speak things to your heart and with whatever measure you measure them, I'm going to reward you. But... If you don't give it full measure, I'm coming. And I'm going to take back what I gave you. Not only that, I'm going to take more back. I'm going to take that which you already have. You think Jesus can be mocked? Listen, I'm not into works, but I am into obedience and holiness. And if you think that you can just scorn God and expect that he's going to bless you, he's not going to do it. When God calls us into these transitional times, they are not optional. When God sets an appointment to meet you somewhere, if it takes you four days fasting, three days fasting, two days fasting, if it takes you not going to the golf course, if it takes you not going to the ball game, if it takes you not watching television, then you don't do it. Oh, my God, you're teaching like a hard-shelled Baptist. Would be to God, I was a full-blooded hard-shelled Baptist. Hallelujah. Listen, we have got to get to the place that we fear the Lord and that we are not afraid of any other outcome except displeasing Him. Amen. And so we understand that the devil is going to come, but you can get stuck in the growth process. And you can get stuck in the transition. You can get stuck missing your appointments. Now, you're not going to go any further than what you've go. But I will tell you this. Well, what, what, what if I feel like God's left me? Then you need to find a place of repentance. You need to find a place of true brokenness. You say, well, I don't feel convicted of my sins anymore. I don't, 
then you know what? You need to start crying out to God to restore unto you a right spirit. Because any man or woman that does not fear completing their task for the Lord is someone that has had their conscience seared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Times of transition. Now the church is going to move forward. The kingdom is going to move forward. That's not a question. The Bible says, will their unbelief make the faith of God void? Nay, never. Never. If everybody stops believing, God will still be God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we can learn something about transition from this parable. So that when these times of transitions come, Satan is going to come. And he's going to try to get the believer to abandon the purpose of the transition time. He's going to get us to abandon what God wants us to do. But we must realize that these transitional times are not born of man. They are born of God. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When God calls us into these places, folks, it is an honor to be called to the appointment of God and to fight the fight of faith with the adversary to lay hold of the true treasures of God, His will. Hallelujah. Man, I preached this at the Baptist church. They threw money at me. Come to think of it, they were rolls of quarters. I, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Philippians 2.13. For God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So in other words, when God is calling us, this is his good pleasure. Will you come that I can make you, that I can position you? Will you come as an olive? Will you let me transform you into something that can burn bright for me? Will you come and set yourself on a potter's wheel? For I have planned for you that you know not of. These are invitations from God. From God. Not from man. From God. Who would say no to a loving father that has nothing in mind except your goodness, your promotion, your blessing, and your fullness? Let you and I today allow God to invite us to transition. Because wherever you are right now, you are because you're not prepared to go anyplace else. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. We are waiting for an appointment with God. We're waiting for a transition. We're waiting for a change. We're waiting for something new to be born. We have lived in the oldness of who we are. But God wants to transition us so that we can return something that we've never been. How the world needs us 
to be changed. How the kingdom is crying out, who will I send? Who will go? Who will stand up? Who will declare? Let's rise up today and say, God, here am I. Call me. Beckon me. Invite me. I will come and I will stay until you are finished. Let the process fulfill itself in us that God may be glorified. Could I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you found some place that you started something and you broke it, just go back right to where you were and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I asked you to rekindle me. I asked you, God, to speak fresh to me. God, I ask that I would drink fresh from the wells of your salvation. Let me, God, rise up with a new spirit of valor and obedience, God. And God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God, let the old man die daily, that the new man may be renewed in me daily. God, I am a crucified man. Sin will not have dominion in me. I will submit my members unto righteousness to who I belong. God, I will not be dominated by the enemy. But God, I will live by faith and I will trust in the Lord. I know, God, that whatever I run up to, the Holy Ghost is with me. He will come in like a flood when the enemy comes. And he will raise up a standard and protect me and bring me through. He will provide strength to lift up weary hands. He will provide thoughts and scriptures to ward off, God, the pressures of the mental attacks. God, I will see the end of the plan and the purpose of God for me. God, here am I. Lead me. Here am I, God. Draw me to the places that I've never been, that I can be the man that I've never been, that I can be the woman that I've never been. God, call me, lead me, guide me, draw me, O oh God. Lay hold of me and choose me, God. Choose me, God. That, God, you will be glorified through me. That it will not be I, but Christ. For I must decrease that he may increase. Let the Christ work begin today. Begin today, God. God, work your will and your good pleasure. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah as his custom was how many times did he go back how many times did he spend days in the wilderness how many times did he sneak away to pray how many times was he transformed into something new something more powerful something that reflect god in a new way who is this man 
Who is this man that even the winds obey him? He is the man that God made him in the wilderness of transition. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I shall bless every family. I shall God to bless every individual. Bless every business, God, every household. Strengthen it, God. And God, I ask you just to encourage your people. God, how valuable. God, a plan and the purpose that you have for them. That God, it is your good pleasure to call them aside. It is the invitation, behold, he stands at the door and he knocks. Open the door that we may sup. Open the door that you may see who I am, that you will become who I have planned for you to be.